0: I've been here many times before, and I've never been defeated, and still, I will never be defeated. Two up front. front. It's Jay, and this is Chuck. Hello, 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 welcome to this recording of 2UpFront that is happening on a cell phone because we live in a country where we are promised that there are no more stages of load shedding but here we find ourselves. So, welcome to the first episode of uh, February and I am Jay, I'm not alone, I am rolling with Chuck. Chuck, what do we have on the show today because the show must go on.
1: Uh, The show must go on. Whether or not Kona Amundu Otlima Ikesi, or Amalasa hey, the show must go on to Upfront every week without fail. Um, so today, on um, this particular episode, we got the Australian Open. We're covering January transfers and to see who did the best business. And we're looking again because, it's so that in? Liverpool again, again, because it's 22 points now. The biggest points margin ever at any stage of any Premier League season. Uh, first things first, the champions.
0: Australian Open. So on the women's side, we've got Sofia Kenin who won, um, and then we also have Djokovic who won. <laughs> on the women's side, this is the eighth different Grand Slam winner in the last twelve, and wow. they, they they just keep coming out of nowhere. They just keep parading, and Sofia Kinnan is not truly out of nowhere because she she's a child prodigy who's now realizing her talent. Um, she finished last season with three titles on the on the tour and is also someone who when she was first seen at like the age of five or something by, by a coach that was gotten by her parents because they saw her pick up a racket and thought, well, she looks like she's talented. Mm. And the coach confirmed this, that she, he had never quite seen such hand-eye coordination from one that young. And this was seen throughout her development. She was like the U.S. number one under 12s, 14s, 16s, 18s. So she's been talented uh, she's talented enough to win a Grand Slam which she's done so and I honestly did not think she was going to come back in that final after going down a set down to someone in in Muguruza who's 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 won Grand Slams before yeah. um, and also had come back in this in this tournament beaten a couple of top 10 players and looked
1: like she was going to win the whole damn thing when she won that first set but up until she got to the final yeah so she really choked like her servers not threatening in any way or form, maybe in the first set, but afterwards well, she was just serving up the nicest of of of, of balls to Kenan, and Kenan was re- returning them fiercely um and she could not cope with that because she 's got a good tennis game. Um, the thing about this is like Kenan is if I would say a fully realized Coco golf she wasn 't early in her career upsetting big names, but she was the prodigy that 's finally got a grand slam that's what's missing in Coco's game but do you think she can stay at the top? Because as we said, the women's game is a jungle and you've got realised potential. But can she be the next Serena? I don't know. <laughs> a simple answer to that
0: is I don't know. And the reason for it is because, so the current world number one, Ashley Barty, right? Um, she's from Australia and she was a home favorite. And she was beaten by Kenan in the semifinals. And I look at her as world number one. She's never won a Grand Slam. We had a situation similar to hers with uh, Karen Wojniacki a couple of years ago. Same thing with Dinara Safina. Where in the women's game, you can ascend to the world number one without necessarily being the dominant player in the biggest of tournaments, e, i.e. the Grand Slams. Winners, yeah. So with, with her winning this tournament, and there hasn't been a repeat champion, I, I, think, I think in the last eight consecutive Grand Slams, whereas on the men's side, the last 13 Grand Slams have been won by three guys. And I think if you stretch that out to oh, maybe even the last thirty, you include Andy Murray and a um, Stan Wawrinka, Wawrinka, and it's just the five guys, you know. So in the women's game, Kennan looks like she's got the she's got the pedigree. Let me put it this way: she's got the pedigree to suggest that she's going to go on win at least five slams like her hero um, Sharapova. Mm. But do I think she's going to go and win another one this year? No, I don't, because I think three other
1: it's different people are going to win. The next star, because. They're not as consistent in terms of their Grand Slam holes. It's only been Serena. It's been the Serena age for a long time. And it's been hard to break that. And the people who do break that do it once and they're never seen again. I mean, tennis has players like Bartoli. wins that Australian Open? And then, not Australian, sorry. Is it French? The Wimbledon. Wimbledon. Yeah, she she Wimbledon. Wimbledon. She won okay. Wimbledon and, and then, it was like, good night. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't have that in the men's game. Because it's, it's, it's more, I don't know it's more to the book in terms of here are the strong guys, here's who to beat. Where's the woman? Anyone can come up. Like we said, Kinnin is a surprise to a lot of people who are just watching the Grand Slams and don't really know what's going on on the tour. The ATP 250s, the 500s. But she's been slowly crafting like three three titles in a year. It's not so bad. No, it isn't.
0: Yeah. No, no, it isn't at all. Especially one as young as she is. Hmm. You know what? The women's game, I have to think it's a cycle that is going on right now. Similarly to what's happening with the men. Because... When I when when we were growing up, early two thousands, you had you had people who were winning grand Jennifer Capriati, mm-hmm. you had Serena Williams, Venus Williams, of course, and then you you had Lindsay Davenport, and um, that was also still the era of Martina Hingis, mm-hmm. and then Sharpova came oh, onto yeah, the yeah, scene. Capriarte. She won. For, uh, I, I mentioned Capriati. Yes. Like,
1: Got into my head. <laughs> and yeah. you had like, Justin Ennan yeah. and then
0: Kim Clas. So these these people I'm talking about, these people are all hall of famers, mm-hmm. and they all played around the same time and. You knew every single tournament that came up, one of those ladies was going to win the Grand Slam. It's different now. Mm. Oddly enough, though, ironically enough, this is what is happening on the main side, that you know for a fact that a Grand Slam is coming up, it's either going to be Djokovic, Nadal, or Federer, mm-hmm. you know? At some point, those guys, their career is going to come to an end. And I, I, I think there will be this variety of winners Again. in the mains game as well. So at the moment, I don't quite see one one player on the women's side. Uh, we'll see what Osaka turns out to be because she's already got two Grand Slams. Mm. But outside of her and looking what golf becomes two, three years from now, when she's a little older, a little bigger, maybe has filled out a little more as well, it's hard to pinpoint someone who you're looking at to take over the mantle from Serena, which looks like is up for grabs.
1: That's going to be hard to do, man. I mean, it's it's, it's more clear on the guys' side in terms of who the next-gen stars are. Uh, the finalist that played against Novik, Dominic Thiem, it looks, well, I can't quite say he's next-gen because he's 26 already, turning 20, 27 this year. But you've got the Zverev's, I don't know what to make of Kyrgios. You've got the Balazsvili. I don't think anyone knows what to make of Kyrios. Kyrios is an enigma. Uh, if he applied himself. We could say something. Mm, You're to keep us as well, some yeah. um, And I'm um, looking for the other guy. 100 backhand. It was Tim and. Ah, I'll get his name now. But those guys you can pinpoint and say these are the next stars. But you don't quite know who's going to be getting the Grand Slams as soon as those guys have had their share. Because Djokovic is probably going to get another three or four. Same with. You say
0: that. You say 3 or 4 And that sounds like a lot When you think about it Like mm. There are There are There are guys who finish Their careers With 3 or 4 slams And they've had Good careers uh, There was a Player from Brazil Cretin If I'm pronouncing Gustavo Cretin yeah. mm. He finished with 3 grand slams And he was world number 1 He's A Hall of Famer And You say Djokovic has Curtin's career Left in him Which tells you What how, How How much These Three guys are feasting
1: in the men's it's game. It's an important generation for sports. Like we've got Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, and we've had Serena dominate. In the same era. It's like having a Messi and Ronaldo in the tennis game.
0: And in the men's game, man, that next generation of uh, Zverev and, 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 and team, it's hard to see where that uh, grand slam so is coming from. Dimitrov
1: was the guy I was thinking of. Oh I don't know how Dimitrov has has, has, yeah.
0: has fallen off as well. He's one we who had a game which was like an Federer, you know. Mm. But not quite ever been able to put it together. Had a couple of semi-final appearances at Wimbledon and with team, mm. right? I I think the best chance of anyone outside of the Gold Trinity is Team. Because having watched him this week, I watched him in that match against Nadal and he was he was hitting some in inside out forehands which were just mesmerizing. He hits the ball at hundred and forty kilometers, which is one or two biggest forehand in, in the men's game. And it's a big weapon. In the final as well against against Djokovic, he was he was pulling he was pulling that shot out, but he was also pulling out the most beautiful one hander that you've ever seen outside of Stan Wawrinka. Stan Vavrinka has Ooh, been successful against Djokovic thing. because he hits this one handed um backhander down that's the line. The yeah. Which is the one shot probably that Djokovic struggles, if struggle is the word, to get to, but I saw Team in the final as well, and he was he was hit, he was hitting the ball everywhere with with with, with power, but.
1: I and he don't went know. Set up, you say, or two sets. He went, he went two sets to one up. was watching that game, yeah. and
0: and Djokovic looked like he was out of it because at some point the the umpire calls um, time violation on him twice in the same game, and he has to serve uh, a, sec- a second serve. Mm. Serves that second serve, and team returns it, wins the point, wins, goes uh, a break up, and wins that set. And he was arguing, which is not something you see very often. He was arguing with the umpire, and you look at you looked at him; his body language looked like well, he's there for the taking. Mm.
1: But Novak it turns is out Novak. he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Novak is Novak. I mean, just before I touch on Novak with Team, my my star for the future was uh, Zverev. But I realized that he's got like a. Team has a 7 to 1, I think, um, win record against him. And you realize that if, if Zverev can't stop him, then who of the next team is going to stop him? So <laughs> he's got a small window, though. Like uh, two, three years to do it in before it gets really hard. Because that once you hit 30, you're not regularly winning, unless your name is Djokovic and Nadal or Federer, you're not regularly winning any Grand Slams once you hit your 30s. Other guys are going to catch up to you and going to give you a good goal. But Djokovic, remember when, like the first time we saw Djokovic, it mentally he wasn't really there. Nah, it, it he, was, he was quitting in matches. Yeah, man. As soon as the chips went down, Djokovic would not turn too many matches around. But since then, and since we've seen the upward trajectory, like, in this, in this past decade, no one has won more than him, right? Grand no. it has been the, the decade of no He's also the
0: first man to win a Grand Slam in three different decades. I didn't actually realize this until I thought about the fact that his first title at the Australian open was in 2008, which is you think they a different decade to the one that we come from. Hmm. And then that's because, I think, because he went three years after that without... Winning a grand slam This is why What he's done since then It's crazy Because if you win one slam And then three years You haven't
1: followed it up Like well If he's lucky To win five slams a chance And stuff like that And when he rose up There was not too many Not much that could be done In terms of stopping him And now It's 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 a bit It feels like it's game over For the men's For for the men's game The thing is Once he hits his stride He's hard to stop Because One thing I've always noticed About Djokovic one of the best returners of serve in the game. It's the greatest of all time. Like, you, you can serve it anyway, anyway. He'll return it and it'll give you a tough time to stay in the point. So, with that particular weapon still intact, yeah. Oh, man. you
0: know, the thing was with Djokovic, it's when you watch him, route. you don't see a particular weapon where you're like, oh man, that's unlike anything I've ever seen. Federer has his forehand. Mm. Nadal Magic has his forehand. forehand as yeah. well. And Early you time. look at, at a stand with that, with that with that one-handed backhand. And with Djokovic, He's solid. If, I don't know I think solid And like If you can write solid out In, in big bold letters That's mm. what he is That he's impenetrable On either wing Whether you hit it To his forehand Or you hit it to his backhand Which is his more favorite shot He's It's coming back And it's coming back With purchase It's coming back Across cross court It's coming
1: back Down the line I think I think the weapon Is the intangible Mind that we keep Talking yeah. about That Deep in sets Where you think I have now And he turns up again Switches up again And then He's back, and even even in games that go for five hours, Stan is there for every. Not Stan, sorry. <laughs> Novak, it. Novak is there for every point, pushing every point. You don't get points easily against Novak, not in the championship sets.
0: That's an interesting thing that you say. You don't get points easily against him, and this is why I feel it's so hard for someone like a team, for someone like a Federer to beat him. Because the way to beat Djokovic is you must have a perfect game. You mm. must have big weapons. And you must hit them consistently. And the thing about playing that high, 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 high risk brand of tennis is you might you might have a purple patch for a set, for even two sets. Hmm. But I, and I think if if the men's game in Grand Slams was three sets as it is in every other tournament, I think you'd get him a yeah. lot more often than you do. Five sets is too long for you to keep up that level. In the semifinal against um Federer, although Federer came in, um. Hampered in that match There was the situation Whereby He was 4, four up in, in the first set And he was Hitting He was hitting that ball Everywhere you could But You got a sense that He can't keep this up And Djokovic is going to come back Eventually beats him in three sets Same thing against Team, That Ultimately You have to keep up that level And I don't think
1: it's Realistic You're right in that Three sets thing with it. It's one of those things that If you have him against the ropes If possible Knock him out don't draw it for another round. Don't try to see what he's up to. Knock him out. And because you can't knock him out <laughs> once you cross the three sets mark, it's inevitable sometimes.
0: It will be interesting to see if anyone can break through um, Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer. I mean, team has been to three grand slam finals. Two in the French against Nadal. once now in, in the Australian Open against Djokovic. These guys combined at these two tournaments in the finals, they're 20-0.
1: All, all that hard work. That's that mountain that stands in front of them. And they're still there for a couple of years still. Federer's is 31-8. 30, turning 39 this year. Still at the top. Still making semifinals. Like, it's, it's, it's hard to break through. It's hard to break through in the men's game. With the women, I won't say, I won't say it's easy for the women. But I, I don't even it's know. easier
0: because there isn't a dominant force right now. Serena is not what she was. And as we've said, we can't pinpoint
1: anyone who's going to run away with... Hmm. Three slams in five or so anything it's easy is it? to break through in terms of prominence or get to a final but to maintain a level in the women's because then you you could beat your hell up but then you get you lose to someone else and it's like then how do you stay at the top so for the men it's breaking through for the women it's stay Staying on top. at the top yeah congress we'll see we'll
0: see we'll see what happens at the french i mean in terms of the men's
1: side i don't it's i don't know terrible. if anyone is coming to but take again gosh we'll see well do you think this is going to be tournament that Federer gives a miss again To prepare for Wimbledon
0: He should I think he has one more Wimbledon left in him And he should do everything
1: in his power To get it this year Because he is 40 Murray, come back, dude I think you're healthy and fit now There was a bit of chance, Nyan. If you do away with Djokovic And Federer gets to play with you <laughs> I'm just trying to be overly optimistic For my, for my man Federer so let's get to the business of the business that was in January, the transfer window. People needed to sign players. People needed to get players. Do you think everyone around the board did enough to, if not save their jobs, at least improve the state of their team? I don't know what happened in January. I,
0: I don't know what happened. The only thing that was rumored and looked like the sensible thing to happen was Bruno Fernandes to Manchester United happened in the last minute. took so long. Everything else though, Chelsea, uh, we recorded just after they got the decision overturned that they can sign players in January and you're thinking to yourself, oh, they're going to splurge. No one. Nothing. They don't get anyone. No one's gone out. No one's come in. You look around, Manchester City need defensive help. They don't go out and get anyone. Um, Arsenal got a right back who I've never seen play. And then Manchester United comes back again. Well,
1: <laughs> let's give that thought. So the defender that um, Arsenal signed apparently was on, on City books, and that's where Arteta knows him from, and maybe we should trust his eye on this one. And defenders that played for Manchester City. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Manchester yes.
0: City have a lot of talent throughout their team. And... No. <laughs> like give important. me any Manchester City player as an Arsenal fan. Give me any Manchester City player who plays in the advanced positions where they are like first 11 or on. The, I mean Mares is Mares is, is starting now and mm. he's he's got Bernardo Silva on the bench rightfully so. Give me the bench player Bernardo Silva. Yes.
1: Gabriel but
0: Jesus. Give me Gabriel Jesus, you know, but the defenders I mean, we, were, we, were, we were in the market for John Stones apparently as well. He should And I'm thinking to myself, well, you
1: well, can't. well, we do need defenders. You know, if you have David Luiz and John Stones the same team, there's nothing, absolutely nothing you can accomplish. You can score five goals, you still lose.
0: Dude, we were playing this weekend in an EPL match with Luiz and Mustafi. Give me John Stones over Mustafi. Which tells you how desperate the situation is at Arsenal. Hey, that, that, Arsenal did, did not go get those
1: defensive and, reinforcements and the, either. In the FA Cup, there was one players that give me John Stones every other week. I'll score he more He took two. John Stones and he <laughs> scored a goal against him. They didn't say that about Mustafi. But of course, I'm sure if they were playing Arsenal, he probably would. But going now to the inevitable, the the elephant in the room. The Chinese elephant in the English room. How does Man United sign... Odin is not the old father, Odin Negalo. from China. It's not exactly lighting up the Chinese League. There are people who, once they go to China, you never see them ever again. Not in, not in their national team, not everywhere in the face of the world. Tina u Igalo for what? You know what? Manchester United fans, right. and, and this
0: is uncalled for, they had a physical confrontation with Ed Woodward. And in, in this past weekend, um, they were said to have a more quiet protest. You know what? I
1: think this is. Sorry to cut you off. This is Edward Edward Wood's comeback at those guys throwing fireworks and players at his shoulder. Get get some. You want a player? (laughs) Hey,
0: you want a striker? We're going to go get you a striker from China. He comes in. um, Does he have the coronavirus or does he not? (laughs) This is the question that the players are asking. Is he getting quarantined or not? But on a more serious note, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on at Manchester United with these signings because the other thing that um, Solskjaer was quoted as saying is that, um, who's the guy that you signed from Arsenal? See, I don't even know his name now. Sanchez. Sanchez gonna is going to come back in in in, 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 in 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 the summer and he's going to prove everyone wrong. And I'm, I'm I'm listening to them. It's like, is he bluffing or is this what is being spoken about at United? In terms of there's a need for a striker. Right. We agree on that. And... To be fair, Igalo is not is not completely out of nowhere. He led uh, the AFCON in, in, in goal scoring Most over money over Emerys, yeah. and he scored um what in his highest scoring season for Watford, he yeah, scored Watford. fifteen or sixteen goals. So he has some pedigree. But this is Manchester United after years in China. He's thirty years old.
1: You know the thing. He's frust- on a
0: six month loan.
1: I think that frustrates me. Sure, it's a loan, and you think ah, not too much harm can come from it. Oli can associate. From the summer transfer window to their winter transfer window, has been singing the one the one song that he's been singing all along. We will buy the player if it's the right player, if the price is right. You telling me that at some point he figured to himself, Ricardo's the right player. There were rumors about this player and that player. Like we're not gonna do business if the player's not right. We missed out on Erling Haaland because he said his agent wanted too much money, and then we went to China. Uh, okay, okay. He hear cannot, my thoughts. You cannot say to us if the player's right and then you we Ricardo. Hear my thoughts. Since Igalo is on a
0: six-month loan, right? Or is on a loan until the end of the season. What they were looking for, seemingly with Halland gone, and they weren't really in the race to get him, as the comments that you point out, there's a need for a striker. Rashford is also out injured. There's a need for goals. Mm -hmm. So you are looking for someone who's a stopgap, someone you're not necessarily going to commit to long-term. But maybe if things work out, you might want to do that. Manchester United have gone out and gotten Henrik Larsson in January, but this is Hen- That was Henrik Larsson, yeah. right? I'm thinking to myself, go to Real Madrid, ask for Luka Jovic. Is Luka he- Jovic he- was signed for 60 million euros. He comes in with a big reputation, with a big future ahead of him. He's 20 years old. Hmm. He's not playing at Real Madrid, and I don't think he's going to play anytime soon because the way that Real Madrid is set up, everything revolves around Karim Benzema. And he okay. plays the same position as Karim Benzema. Karim Benzema is the spiritual leader of that team. Um, offensively, not many goals in Real Madrid. And now we saw again in the past weekend when they beat Athletic Madrid, he's the one who scores. So the the path to starting and playing regularly for Real Madrid is seemingly cut off for Jovic. So he's looking for game time, right? He's looking for game time, one, to prove to Zidane that he, he's worthy of uh, maybe even taking over from Benzema. But if that doesn't happen, go showcase your skills at Manchester United.
1: I mean, that's, that's not far face considering what he, Real Madrid had Alvaro Morata. And he was allowed to go to Juve. He was allowed. He was sold to Chelsea. It doesn't necessarily mean because he's a Real Madrid player, you can't get him. Morata, Morata came back no. to haunt Real exactly. Madrid. So... If they wanna send might as well look you He's on fire. <laughs> You're looking for someone who's scoring for the last Dela Which is why I was I was i i was all in like Get Jovic because it's a, you've got nothing to lose. There was the one to player from the French capital, Cavani. Edinson Cavani. Edison Cavani. What do you have to lose with a proven striker? Quality. Because if at the end of the day
0: You were looking for For, 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 for a plaster Something to, to just Put over the wound
1: Until you sort it out There were options And if anything I think I think if I if I heard the figure right He was going for 20 million I'd say buy Kavan Even if he's not the made product that Or rather the, the product that you want The thing about United is this We signed Bruno Fernandes First, first match to available We had that Find their injuries We bought uh, James Sure he came in um, Second half against Chelsea but we, did, we, we depend on him so much. Right? Um, Greenwood, so much. Marshall, we're depending on the young guys so much. Let the guy, good uh, uh, thing, an uh, older, matured guy with experience come in. Teach us a thing or two about how to do the striking thing. You might not play every game, but just learn from me. Because who is Rashford and Marshall learning from? Nobody.
0: And if you really believe in Greenwood as the striker of the future, get someone to mentor him. Yeah. I mean, he's 18 years old, and he looks like he's a good player. He's already scored. Uh, goals in, in, in his age 18 season. But you're not looking to him to lead the line already. Uh, he's He still has development to go. So get someone in who's just going to push you into a Champions League spot because that is up for grabs. Also because of what Chelsea did not do. Uh, what, were you shocked left. by the fact that Chelsea didn't sign anyone?
1: I actually was shocked because as much as we complain about United and Tottenham's not doing well, Chelsea aren't that far ahead. No, they're not. And you're thinking... You need experienced players. You can't... Okay, so the Tommy Abraham well has run dry. He's not hitting them like he used to. Backup is who? Pachwai. <laughs> Juru's not even playing. Yeah. You need strikers. You need offensive players. to get goals. And the fact that they didn't sign anyone is quite shocking. The job security there is, is very high. So Chelsea
0: uh, went away, played Leicester. They drew 2-2, right? <laughs> and both goals, both goals were scored by... Uh, Rudiger Rudiger I mean You were looking for A German striker Timo Werner Hmm. You were not thinking That uh, you were going to get goals From a German player Who happens to be Rudiger And When I look at Tom Abraham Right And he's a good player But He is just One level below What you're looking for If you're going to commit yourself To that guy to being the guy who's going to be banging the goals, I don't think Abraham is a striker who's going to give you 25, 30 goals consistently every season. I don't think it's Didier Drogba. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm just in his game, just also in his personality. I don't think in the biggest of moments he's the guy who's going to go get the goal for you. And the thing with Chelsea though. Outside of the strikers as well, they need goals coming from midfield. It's funny. Frank Lampard could use a Frank Lampard. He really would. Because um, when I watch Chelsea and, uh, and Mason Mount started Mason the season um, on, on fire, but I don't think he's that guy. I want, especially having seen him go up against Madison as well. I'm like, if I were to have a choice, I'd, I'd, I'd take Madison over Mason Mount. He's young. Maybe mm. he does need to be given another chance. But
1: like, the last couple of games I've seen him, i was looking at him like, him, he's not that dude, eh? Hey? He's, 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 not, he's, far, he's further on than like a Phil Foden. Phil Foden's not a goal-scoring midfielder, but in terms of development and impact on the game, Phil is just behind Bernardo Silva and the De But He's classy. He's classy. The thing that I want to say about um, this particular window is that, sure, it's January. There aren't too many people um, signed and put in, but here's a Bergwin. win. <laughs> he did their business for hey. Tottenham. The thing about English teams... I, which is which is odd for me because English teams have the most money due to the big T V um, deals that they sign. English teams don't want to buy the finished article. They always want to buy someone on the brink, on the cusp. And when they have that particular player, you've got your time in Abraham, they have no one to groom him. Which is quite odd because for instance we, we would subscribe whether we like to or not in terms of consciously of the idea that once you're a good once Ronaldo has been the article and is on fire, go to Real Madrid. Once Hazard has has, has proven himself, quote, they buy the finished article. We want to then buy the Bruno Fernandez to still prove himself. We're not going to go and say, um, "I think we need a," or let me give a name. I think we need a Tony Cruz. And time don't make that signing, which is quite troubling because a club has done that. Fabio was a finished product. So was Van Dyke Pretty much. And you ask yourself, how long are you guys building? I know it's January. I know it's not the summer window, but Guys, buy the finished product to groom the smaller guys. Because if you depending on the Mason nice Mount to bring a goal, when he has a down, a downward um, patch or whatever it is, how does he get back up into form?
0: There's not many players in the world who are Kylian Mbappe at 19-20-21, Trent Alexander Arnold at 2021. 20, yeah, that's those are the guys who we're gonna be talking about at the end of this decade as who going into the upper echelon of the greatest players of all time. Absent of that, you are looking for players who are around the age of 24, 5, 6, 7, About um, who, have, who have a resume in, in one of the top five leagues who've done something which you can point to that they've been good in these other, in, in, in these other leagues. Hmm. Not, not in the English game, it, it just changed. You know with Chelsea though, what yeah. I was actually thinking to myself and why they didn't sign anyone. I was thinking to myself, they come into this season knowing that they have this transfer ban for a year right? Hmm. And sure, there was an appeal that was uh, pending, but I don't know how much they planned towards a guar- guaranteed uh, positive result in that appeal. So if they go into this season without planning to sign anyone, then they get to November, December when when, when the decision was passed. Now you've got a month to scramble it, it sounds strange to say this, but you've got a month to scramble funds towards the top four Towards purchasing other players. And as much as... um. Roman Abramovich is is a billionaire. Chelsea is still a business. There's mm. still a structure, there's still a way that they set up. And I don't think you just wake up one day and you nudge the owner or whoever is in charge of finances and say, "Well, can you can you can you just give me 100 million? Uh, I just want to go buy these players." And they might not communicate this to us um the fans because we that is something that I, I suppose it don't feels any of our business as such. Mm. But I think I, if, I'm, if, if I have to defend why they didn't buy players, I'm thinking because they didn't plan to buy players it this could season. As
1: well that I hear that Abramovich doesn't have a visa to come back into the country because of his ties to Putin and all that stuff. It could be a hindrance in some way or another in terms of them not buying. That's interesting
0: because I think I read that he might he might not be the owner of Chelsea for much longer, hmm. which will be an interesting... Um, situation because welcome the man who started this
1: revolution of the, the gates billionaire owners. The, the gates in the city where Liverpool well sorry, where United and Arsenal live. Chelsea, you're welcome. Change that owner. Join us. It would be
0: interesting to see like if they were to let go of the club like it'd probably be another billionaire who's gonna come in. Um but yeah, this this transfer window has 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 been a heck of a lot
1: more hype and it was Definitely. anything that was brought in. Because the people who did the smart business, the best business, did it early. People who signed the Minaminos and the Erling Haaland did very early, and you saw the fruits of, of of that labor. The rest of us were scrambling transfer deadline day and the day before. Quick question before we move on from, from this topic, uh, your first impressions of Fernandez? Bruno Fernandez, it's it's quite hard to say that because it isn't at his best game, but at the same time, it's hard to have a good game with United in terms of how pedestrian they are on the ball and how predictable they are. And so he's not going to wave his magic wand and everything comes together. But I do think he will give us a game before the month is, is over, where we'll say he's a good signing. But one thing I will say that I saw and, and, and was able to identify, the shooting from range, he still does it at United. This is something we didn't really have in terms of no one's really shooting. And if they do, so not much conviction in the shots. He's got an eye for a long ball. Um, which aside of Pogba doesn't really happen in that team, and so he's 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 a good ball player. I think it's his it's his first game, and I think he's yet to find his feet. Um, I saw him instruct, look <laughs> sure into, into terms of where he's he's supposed to be during the gameplay. In terms, of if I get the ball, you're supposed to be way ahead of me so I can find you. I think so it was on Pisaka, Pisaka yeah, on, on the right, yeah. you're right. So the thing about that is that I think his voice will be audible, and he, him trying to command or to take the midfield will happen once he's settled in the team. He just signed one on a Thursday, Saturday he's playing. Yeah. So, he seems to have strong
0: leadership qualities, which is why he was captaining uh, yeah. Sporting towards the end of his career. There, my first impressions was he's going to find out very quickly what what he's age. signed up for. Because oh, the, the, the team is such, yeah. He started he started that match and he was deployed, and that's why he's required as a number ten mm. to create goals, but also to score goals. But very quickly he found I, I, he found himself in a deep position because I, he looked around and figured. I'm not getting the ball where I am. So I, I need to go look for it myself. It'd be curious for me once um, the midfield that Solskjaer wants to go with, with him, mm-hmm. is there what he looks like? Because I'd be, I'd be nervous as a United fan that if he's supposed to be deployed as a 10 but finds himself more comfortable in a deeper position, that's not what United need. They need, mm-hmm. they need someone who's going to be there thereabouts in the action areas to create and score goals. But he had the most touches, had the most passes. He was errant to his passes as well. But I think that's just first-game jitters. Mm. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he looks like going forward.
1: The thing about those loose passes for me that's encouraging. is that it's passes that are going forward. It's not sideward, sideward, sidewards passing or back to defenders or whatnot. So he'll take that risk once in a while. It'll come off sometimes. Sometimes it won't come off. It happens. It's football. At least he's trying something. And I think for me, but I'm just the only one who's seen the song. three five two. If he's not quite working in situation, put Mata in the healing support well with Mata. Mata, is still a good creative force, but he's not good in terms of dictating the game. So if you put him in isolation where well, Mate has to run a lot, and he's not going to give us anything. Put Mata in 10, Fernandes Fernando's just behind him, it should work. We'll see. Uh, United have a long way to go. Just like seemingly, everyone you know else what? who's behind or Liverpool. I and associate might just prove us all wrong. And Nicaragua gets 10 goals in the six months. That's the only way it can happen. Uti, he just needs to hit the ground running and prove us all wrong. Because if it's a waste of money, like we all see it is, then all must pack his bags the same day. Carlos packing his bags, bam way too. I don't think it's a waste of money. I think he's there for free. It's a loan, right? But we're paying. We're paying some of his fees. China is has United money. He was bagging money like a child? But okay, but but do you think going on to another club, Arsenal? Do you think Arteta's Try to solve your defensive problem with the players that he has. Because one is a hard man, one is a ball-playing defender. And that, I think, is the ideal combination one to the back. He
0: signed a right back. Yeah. I'm happy with the fact that there's a right back. The reason for that is because before he went down with the injury, I thought in had become overrated. Um, he had a good season where he ended up in the PFA team of the year. And then he had that story, which, for some reason, I actually think helped his career away. He ran a 4.4, 14-meter dash. And I was like, well, so what? He's been down with injuries, come back, um, and I I, lament, I lamented that in the era of Trent and Alexander Arnold, as well as the Reece James, James, um, he doesn't give you that going forward. He doesn't give you what Wan-Bissaka gives you in defense. I'm not quite sure what he does that is exceptional on, on that uh, on that side of the pitch. So I'm happy to see someone else have a goal um, right there. And I think in terms of long term, it's going to be a summer project where he has to bring in two central defenders because... Whether it's Mustafi, whether it's um, Socrates or Louise, whatever combination he has of the theorem of them is not good enough. Um, and the thing is, though, in trying to sort out these defensive um, ailments, the the shape is much better. Arsenal are not conceding that many goals because of, and that's Arteta. Mm. the The payoff, though, is that there are not as many goals now in the Arsenal team, which is another Short issue up, where yeah, I yeah, think there's an answer, there's something to be that needs to be discussed and done. With like I said, playing through the middle when he's not giving you goals, and your best player and your most trusted goal scorer is coming from wide,
1: whereas he prefers to play through the middle. I think we need to be ruthless, ruthless as well in terms of rebuilding. Mustafi needs to go. Like there's no point in just keeping players. Ship him off somewhere. I say the same thing. Because, I say this because I saw this is a funny thing. I saw Phil Jones on the bench. I asked myself, why why did Phil, why did Phil Jones stay at United? Like, I can understand. And I thought to myself, which I think, Phil Jones, Whether he's playing or not, just cost. I think must Ting, is energy. Because even if he's on the bench, somehow, <laughs> I figured to blame him. It's Phil Jones' fault. Somehow, it's it, his it's fault, it's fault his because he's there. But, yeah, wrapping up the transfer window, some teams did well, but... Hasn't been an overly successful window. And we understand it's January. People are not really looking to buy or sell in this period. But the way things are going, people needed to do something about the state of their teams. Let's hope Fernandez shines. So we're looking at people who got their transfer business wrapped up early, they are it in Minamino. But as of themselves, they were a complete article. And that's Liverpool. 22 points ahead, the biggest margin at any stage of any Premier League campaign. When we when we were like 80, 90 points away from City, like that's a thrashing. Because we were second and people were like, oh you're second, but so far off. City I uh, I uh, being you know, the, the gap. It's huge. It's huge. They're not doing any better than any one of us did. This is the this is the worst chase <laughs> in the history of the Premier League. And at some point Leicester was second in chasing. Now it's just down to City and you're not doing a good job either. What what do you think? Do you think Liverpool have been that good? Would get two points ahead of everyone. Are there seven wins and a little bit better than everyone else? Or is everyone just really choked? I think it's more,
0: without being disrespectful to this all conquering Liverpool, because when you look at the numbers, you look at the stats of Liverpool, there's some crazy stats that come out. They're what now? Seven games from tying Arsenal, longest unbeaten record. And then there's like the th- over a thousand days unbeaten at home. I think they've 20. The most wins in a row at a home British history, and and and, and, and six games away from the title, six wins away, six wins away from the title. You know, so they could and do February. it in March. They could do it in March. So they are an all conquering team. Although I watched Liverpool, and I don't get the feeling that I got when I watched Pips, um, Barcelona, for example. Mm. Um, so I have to say, s- slightly, it's the ch- the chasing pack have been bad
1: have been very bad I mean
0: I Manchester City played Tottenham and they walked the, they came away from that they came away from that match having lost and it, sure they got a red card but like it boggles my mind that they were even in a position to lose that game when they went down a player because the stats tell you that uh, Tottenham only had three shots and three, three shots on target as well and they've got two goals and Manchester City had sixty nine percent of possession and it's similar to a game I saw them play at Anfield, where they were just not scoring. Whereas in the last two seasons, when they got like the record points total, they were going into those matches and they were finishing teams, teams it off. It in this campaign, out. like they are giving um, losses away to a Wolves in the last ten minutes, and they go into these games where they look dominant, but also they don't quite look all that dominant. Yesterday, Kevin De Bruyne was nowhere, pretty much, and it's they surprising. they they had Tottenham on the ropes, but. It was not so much on the ropes where you felt like man they are going to definitely score. It looked like they should definitely score, but it, it wasn't happening. And when then you look at Leicester, Leicester had that good eight game uh winning run, but they're not they're not yeah, quite they're that team and we've spoken about Chelsea and we know what Tottenham we know what Arsenal and United are as well. So
1: I think it's a bad chasing that's, back. It's never been this bad. I don't recall it being this bad for so many teams. I mean Oftentimes, yeah, the Arsenal fans would complain, like, ah, we're fourth again, or oh, we're not really making it to fourth. United people would, would complain because they're hungry for a league title. But this time, everyone's not doing nearly as much as they could to even upset Liverpool or trip them up on the way to the title. This this was wrapped up a long time ago. And that's, that's to say we were bad from Dala. because as bad as we are seeing all day out, Frank Lampard is not that much better. Um, team no. um, 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 are more better than us, but as you as you've accounted in the last two minutes, they're not really doing much in terms of of, of winning games. I, I don't know if it's, it's hunger or as the chips are against them, but as you as you're recounting, O the brainer, Kevin the brain, for me he looked the shadow of himself. Marais yeah was was menacing and threatening, but for me, especially in the second half when they needed to get back in the game, Karo was their best player. Fuck. how the was it? The hunger, the drive, the determination. How we ran back to recover the ball, ran back with the ball to join in the attack. The rest of the team didn't quite give that. So I, I have to concur and say with Liverpool, you've done well. But I don't know if you're 22 points better than everyone else. I think 22 points just shows how bad everyone else has been.
0: You know what? Um, going into next season, I think realistically City are the only people who are going to be challenging uh, Liverpool for the
1: title. Oh, the rest of us are too far. And
0: considering... Considering that I, I, I think I want to, I want to end off in, in 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 highlighting City. I think they're tired, um, and by that I mean mentally. I think they're fatigued from the last two seasons because they had the one season where they finished with 100 points, far and away, uh, better than everyone. But to get 100 points, you have to be playing at your best every single game for some of a uh, handover period. And then the last season, they were chased to the very end by Liverpool, and they had to get, they had to be as good as they were in that 100-point season, mm. right? And then you come into this season and you're going against a beast that has just
1: tasted success in that's, Europe. That's and an actually an interesting point you raised, really They to Once they first title in 30 years. So it's two wins for City with record points total in one and a lot of points in the other. And they've hit a slump. Liverpool hit a record points total in chasing. And they're on course to match that or beat that total very comfortably. And they were chasing. Do you think... Because... For me, when I look at the City side, they, they've rotated their squad as better than anyone else. They've had depth where you've, you play your Kondega and your Sané, your Mares and whoever, and they've rotated quite well. Whereas Liverpool use more or less the same side, same, same side every game. It's hard to say this and it's hard to see it, but don't you think they, are, they might suffer the next season because of all of this? With Liverpool. Yeah, because I mean, just as you said, City won two, two titles back-to-back and then now they're suffering because of that fatigue. Yeah,
0: I definitely think they're going to suffer a hangover. I don't think they're repeating this next season. I think they're in the title chase. they might win it if they do um it's going to be a close one, Something so I'm going be ninety points I don't think so um and I don't think it's which is why what Sir alex Ferguson did with Manchester United all those many years was remarkable. um this city team they need a revamp of some sort hmm. uh they've got quality players all over still um probably just need a new defense but I, I, that's what I put it down to this season. Uh, mental fatigue. It's going to be interesting to see what they do in the Champions League. Um, if if they carry this form into those matches against Real Madrid, they're going to be home early. But perhaps, in my opinion, they should just not try all that much in the EPL anymore. They're going to finish in the top four and make the Champions focus League. On just the Champions focus League. on the Champions League. And matches against.
1: Title. Yeah. Fair enough. Let's get to playing Emali. Gambling time. Gambling time. Not much of a gamble, if you trust us. Um I'll go first this week. And i got three different sports and codes, rugby, cricket, and soccer. So six nations on the weekend, Scotland at home to England. I say England for the win. Um first ODI essay versus England. So I'm going for the highest score at first dismissal, meaning which by the time the first wicket falls, who would have the first uh, who, who'd have sorry the highest runs on the board? I pick England to do that because we have seen them all Summer Loma would be their wickets for much later than ours. And then we've got real Betis against Barcelona. I'm going for a draw. Surprise, surprise, because boss aren't themselves and Betis are very hard to beat at home. I mean they've got they've got they've got a team that gels quite well, and I think they'll be up for the fight. Sheffield United against Bournemouth, Sheffield are up to fifth. So for me it's a no-brainer. Sheffield for the win. And then lastly, Everton against Crystal Palace. I, I pick Everton to win the second half of that game. Everton may win the general game, but I'm picking them to win the second half of that game. So England win in rugby, high score England in cricket, Betis pass a draw, Sheffield to win, and Crystal Palace second half. Those are my picks. Those are high-risk high, high risk picks. From Jack. If you if you play that and you win it, you're going to win a lot of money.
0: My picks are as follows. In the Six What's Nations, rugby, uh, France are going to beat Italy at home um, in basketball, NBA, I've got the Toronto Raptors beating the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving went down with an injury and the Raptors are better anyway. And then Manchester City playing against West Ham uh, take Manchester City to win at home and over 1.5 goals. And then I've got Bayern versus Leipzig. You can choose both teams to score and over two and a half goals because Bayern are putting teams to the sword suddenly after they break. And I think they're going to put a couple past uh, Leipzig. And I think Leipzig are going to get at least one. So both teams to score in over two and a half. And then finally, I've got Glasgow Celtic playing against a team called Clyde. <laughs> Take Celtic to win in over two and a half goals. Um, from to up front that is me Jay
1: out. And this is Chuck, episode ten. <laughs>